You are listening to WNHHLP, 103.5 FM New Haven, streaming live at www.newhavenindependent.org and broadcasting live from our offices on Elm Street. This is another episode of The Show with Michelle Turner. Thank you, Lucy. Lucy is our Uber producer. She is Lucy the Great, and I'm so glad to be Back in the studio chair this morning on a Media Maven Tuesday. And we're talking sports today because since I last had Anthony McLean, Tony McLean in the studio, a lot has happened. A couple of things. A couple of things. So I want to let you know who's on the show this morning. And welcome to the show here on 103.5 FMLP WNHH. My name is Michelle Turner, and I have the good fortune of being your host. Lucy Gelman is my fabulous producer. I have the sports pros in the studio with me this morning. In person, sitting across from me, the one, the only, Tony McLean, longtime sports writer in the greater New Haven area. And on the phone, we're going to welcome Michael Lyle. Michael Lyle is a reporter. WTIC. He has worked at Quinnipiac University. He is a Howard University bison, whatever. He is also uh, somebody, Mike, do, uh, do you do color commentary from time to time? Uh, occasionally. I did it for one season with the University of Hartford women's basketball team, but that was only for one season. Okay, and what do you do at Quinnipiac University with their sports department? Uh, I am the producer for the uh, Bobcats hockey and men's and women's basketball broadcast on the station. And I also do sports reports during the halftime and for intermission updates. So, welcome. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I'd like to give folks... Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Oh, thanks. I like to give folks people's backgrounds so they know that I don't have light weights in my studio. <laughs> I have some real knowledgeable, experienced people when they walk into these studios. So let's talk, Colin. Let's talk about the stand that Colin Karpernick has taken. And I guess for... You know, it's 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 a split thing, because I guess for a certain part of the population, they think that he is being disrespectful. But there's another part of the population that feels like he's doing the right thing. So where do you all stand in this? You want me to go first? You can go first, Anthony. Uh, I don't I, I don't have a problem with what he's doing at all. Um I've never been one that bought into the hyperbole of the national anthem is <clears throat> is is the lone and only thing that we um how we honor our veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll preface this by saying I'm the son of a of a marine who served in the Korean War uh, when I when I say this. Mm-hmm. You know, this 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 country can do a lot of um phony patriotism Mm -hmm. i really feel um the net you know when you realize the actual meaning of the anthem and how uh slavery had a role in it and everything else i think you understand where colin's coming from here and also he has said himself you know he is not protesting against uh 
the veterans. I don't feel what he's doing is spitting in the face of veterans. I think he is speaking for the voiceless, and I think he's speaking for people who look at so many um, fake symbols like, say, the flag mm-hmm. and the national anthem as something that we rally around the country in, and especially when you realize what he's protesting. I have absolutely no problem with what he does. I'm not surprised of the backlash. And, you know, it. if nothing else, hopefully... It'll get a conversation going because that's the only way that they're gonna that we're gonna be able to have some sort of change, and you know I, I applaud him for what he's done. Mike, what about you? What do you think of all I this? Mean, I, I feel the same way. Um, I had some comments I posted to social media about this last night, and basically what I was saying was whether you agree with what Colin Kaepernick has done or not. My whole issue is. He's a human being, okay? He's not a piece of property. Mm-hmm. What gets me upset is that everybody looks at multi-million dollar athletes and they put restrictions on them, like all they're supposed to do is just play sports, score points, score touchdowns, win points by fantasy leagues, win championships, mm-hmm. and that's all they're good for. They're robots. They have no sense of emotion. They're not supposed to speak their mind on social justice issues. That's why I'm having the issue here with the captain situation. Mm-hmm. He's a multi-million dollar athlete but he's also a human being that has an issue on his mind that he wants to talk about and put out there. I don't think it's fair that he's being criticized because he's just speaking his mind. In fact, I don't know if you saw the post earlier this week that there's people now burning his jersey out there. In right, yeah. right. Because yeah. they're yeah. frustrated and angry. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is getting old and tired now, for one. I'm tired of seeing the people burning people's uh, athletes' jerseys. You spend all that hard-earned money on their jersey and you're burning because he's making a statement about a social justice matter. That I don't understand. So my whole thing is that he's a human being. He has his right, like anybody else does, to speak their mind about certain issues. And if he wants to do that, that's his constitutional right to do so. And who are we to say otherwise? Would you not agree, the both of you, that most, and I think, Mike, you, you, you've hit something on the head here, because most people don't think about where a lot of these athletes come from. They don't come from middle class backgrounds. Most of them are kids who have experienced poverty or even extreme poverty. So when you start to talk about the American flag and the pledge for a lot of them, it it, it never figured into being a part of their lives. So when you start to talk about, justice, when you start to talk about privilege, when you start to talk about freedom, those things are kind of foreign concepts for a lot of these athletes until they get this money. Then they see another side of it. So I don't think that most who are making these statements understand, because let's face it, if you can buy a Colin Kaepernick jersey, You got a job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you're making money, you know, you've got some kind of money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, Tony. Well, no, it's, and, and see the, to me, the money situation, you know, when you you always hear him bring up, oh, he's making, you know, right. Right. Uh, I don't care if he was making the league minimum. 
it's about the stand that he's taken. Mm-hmm. And, and also, even if one came from a privileged or non-privileged background, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know, my thing is you look at the message because see, one of the, let's, let, 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 let's be honest. We just lost, um, one of the most, most socially conscious athlete of all time, mm-hmm. not too long ago. And he was brought up, not privileged, mind you, but, right. you know, Cassius Marcellus Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, he grew up with a pretty affluent family, but he had, the, he had a, he, you know, he developed a consciousness. And see, that's the thing I think people forget, is that you don't wake up a revolutionary. You evolve into that. Mm-hmm. You see what's going on, and then you realize, wait a minute, what's going on? Because, you know, um, Damon Wayans, a few years back, you know, when he was doing one of his uh, HBO comedy specials, had a great line when he would get interviewed after the success of In Living Color. And, you know, it, it was, you know, he, uh, he did sort of a mock of the uh, person interviewing mm-hmm. him and said, Damon, now that you've made all this money <laughs> and we're not counting, <laughs> is there racism? And, and you know, it's it's done to sort of like catch you into right. like saying, right. you know, and, and, and he did the whole, you know, no, sir, I see the, the and see. That's right. the, that's the trap. Right. That's the trap that black entertainers, uh, black politicians, and athletes come under a lot of times. And again, it. But again, just that whole thing. It speaks to the imbalance. It speaks to the issue that he's talking about. Because at the end of the day, he it shows, if nothing else, that he's aware of what's going on in mm-hmm. regard to the police shootings, in regard to what, and he even brought up. Uh, I don't know if people, I don't know if you saw the follow up news conference on Sunday. He even brought up uh, Hillary and Trump as well. So he knows what's going on. See, yeah. I think I think when they had the I think when they had the uh, follow up on Sunday, I think they were thinking, oh, he's going back down, he's going whatever. But he came out guns a blazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you have to understand also is that in the United States, we are still, for all that we do and for all that we uh, come together under the banner of America, there's still a lot of injustice. And, okay, he plays for the NFL. He's making a good salary, right? When we wanted Michael Jordan to speak out on things, Bingo. Michael Jordan uh, didn't part his lips. It's it's a double-edged sword because one minute, you know, put it this way. One minute we want him to be Malcolm X, and then one minute we want him to be Wayne Brady. Right. And you can't, you can't have, you it, can't both have ways. it both ways. You can't have it both ways. And I think the other piece in this, too, is that do we do we wonder if he is going to lose his position because of him speaking out and whether this will affect the NFL and the 49ers bottom line well the 49ers have gotten for for a team that may win 6 games this year <laughs> this will probably be the biggest this will probably be the biggest story that they'll have to deal with this year more than likely and just on a football level. Um, and he's not where 
he was two years ago. Oh no, three no, years no. ago. No, the, the 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 fact that that Blaine Gabbert is going to be the starting quarterback speaks <laughs> volumes to the 49ers and also speaks volumes to where he was. You know, I mean, this is you know, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl no less than right. three years ago. Right. And now, you know, like I said, now they're just hoping to win six games this year. So it speaks to where you know it speaks to where the team is. It speaks to where he is. I you know me personally, I still think he can play in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's some people that's, that are saying that he may be using this as a get out of a jail, as, as, as a, get out, a get out of jail card, mm-hmm. to get out of San Fran. But, um, let's put it this way. If he wanted to get out of San Fran, he probably could have done something a little bit different than this. So, you know, Mike, do you think he's trying to get out of San Francisco? I don't want to say he's trying to get out of San Francisco. I mean, let's face it. If you've been following the reports. Uh, his days in San Francisco seem numbered well before this incident came to light. Uh, okay. Uh, his credibility wasn't all the way to par, and he has struggled the last few seasons with the team. And there's been some rumblings out there whether they should move him or trade him somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think the incident that we're talking about right now has anything to do with his status or whether or not he stays out in the Bay Area. I just, I mean, if you look at he's not even playing as much now. So yeah, when was the last time he really at, as, played? Yeah, I think he I think um I think he got in like about six games this past season. And I don't think he's I think he's only played sparingly in the uh in the preseason in, in as the, well. In the and, preseason, and, right? Yeah, well and see also you gotta remember And he was bench a few times too because he wasn't playing well. They put him out and someone else came in yeah. and uh his play. So he's been struggling the last couple of years, guys. I mean it's mm-hmm. not like this incident is now gonna be a huge detriment to him sure. staying in San Francisco. It's not yeah. the case at all. Mm-hmm. His numbers have gone down since that season that we took him to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and the funny thing was, uh, he was all but traded to Denver, but John Elway um, tried to sort of lowball him in regards to contract-wise, so that's basically why he's still in San Fran now. Um, let's put it this way. I'd be shocked if he plays another game with the 49ers. If he's going to play again, um, I'd be willing to bet you it'll be in another jersey. And, uh-huh. and, like, and like Mike said, it won't have anything to do with this incident. It's going to have more to do. It's but, more with his stats. But but will he get now? But but the thing is now, will he get the Ray Rice treatment, mm. or will he? Or will some teams say, okay, we'll we'll bring him in? Because like I said, even with his diminishing numbers, I think the guy can still play in this league. Uh, he's just how old I, is he? I want to say uh, twenty eight, twenty nine, maybe something. Yeah, like he's that. not thirty yet, right? No, no, but 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 you know we've seen old. I mean, the thing is because he hasn't played. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Oh, okay. okay, so All he right. hasn't played as much. So he's so to me, there's still a lot of tread on the tires. I don't put this, let's put it. Let's put it this way. I don't think. I I don't I I don't think. His career is over. I would okay. like to think that if given the opportunity, this guy can still play somewhere. Um, I know there were a lot of people that when uh, Chip Kelly got hired, thought, ooh, this would be a good thing for Kaepernick. Right. But he right. all but basically said that uh, Blaine Gabbert's going to be his starter, at least for not, at least going at least, into. Yeah, going into but this again, season, But again, I think that right? speaks more to the Niners than it does uh, Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of preseason... Do we have to? <laughs> well, <laughs> here's the thing. There's there's a quiet undercurrent, if you will, 
about whether we should have as many games as we do in the NFL, as far as preseason oh is concerned. And uh, on his and hers yesterday, which I enjoy thoroughly, I didn't realize that Steve, uh, that uh, Tony Romo is out and oh. Benjamin Watson is out well, because yeah. of preseason injury. Mm-hmm. And so what they were saying is preseason is not going away because of packages, okay? The fan likes preseason games. Uh, but uh, don't, not, not, uh, not, Well, this is what they said. Yeah, well, yeah, well, they, okay. okay. <laughs> this is what they said, okay? <laughs> the fans like preseason games, and so this is why we have them. And on top of that, they may even extend it. But the argument is, why put players through fake football longer than they have to. So I guess my question is, are we going to see a longer season for preseason or is it going to get shorter or where are you? Or where are we with this? Mike, you can go. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I don't think there's going to be any changes. I mean, we've, we've touched on this in the past and, I mean, there was some murmurs that they were going to try and make it an 18-game season, take two of the preseason games, and com- and just apply that to the 16-game schedule they have in place now. Mm-hmm. But I think their issue with that was the fact that it was all about the setup and the scheduling because not just that, you have to worry about the TV people that have their own say on what right. they want to broadcast, especially right. in the latter part of the season where they have a flex schedule, which means they can determine which games that people are going to want to see that's going to draw in the most ratings and the bigger audience and not just games that teams are in contention for a playoff spot or for a division title. Those are the games they're going to want to see. So I think that's why they didn't toy around with this as much because they didn't want to, you know, take what they had in place. I mean, let's face it, the NFL is a billion-dollar industry, and they have another TV contract in the making this year because now it's not just CBS. NBC now is part of the Thursday Night Football package. Oh, they are. So, yeah, NBC now is going to be Thursday Night Games simulcasted with the NFL Networks podcast. And Twitter. So they're going to get more wow. on two major networks, and I don't think they want to mess around with that, particularly as they come down the stretch of the season, and they, you know, they were going to have to figure out the schedule and the whole, the, the whole schedule should, you know, swing big about it, and I don't think they want to, you know, mess with it. So they probably said, let's just leave it as we have it now. The preseason is where there's four games. I mean, people don't think it's that bad of an issue that there's four preseason games. I mean, they would probably tell their teams that this is why you probably should just on the side of caution, if you're going to play some of your top stars, because there's a there's a chance you can get injured. I like Tony right. Romo, right. and now you have to you know reshuffle your deck a little bit. So NFL is going to make their money the best way they see fit, and I think that's why they're not going to mess around with the schedule, and that's why everything is where it's at now. Tony, do you think it's worth it? Well, you got to factor in a you got to factor in the the uh, greedy bastard factor here, unfortunately, <laughs> with the NFL. <laughs> Because the thing is, they want to go to 20 games if they could. Yeah. And, but, but the thing is, like you said, they're also under pressure because of the concussion issue, because mm-hmm. of the injury issue. But and that's see, why I would think they would shorten it. Well, see, you know, you know, we're old enough to remember when they used to play six right. exhibition games. Right. And, and I know some of the youngins are saying six. Right. Yeah, they used to play they six. They used to play six. Yeah, well, that, that, that's also when they used to play 14 regular season games, yeah. too. But the thing is now, 
the NFL and their brethren, they see cash. They, you know, mm-hmm. the NFL, like, you know, as, as I think I've said this several times before, of the four major leagues, there's the NFL and then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. NFL's got the highest ratings, the highest right. visibility. The, you know, and like bigger, and like Mike pointed out, you know, it's a billion dollar industry now. But see, the 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 NFL used most of the time is their own worst enemy. And see, like I said, they're if if they could get away with doing eighteen or twenty games, they could. Mm-hmm. But they but see, they also they they talk on the other side of their butt because they want to talk about how they'll make these rule changes. You know. You know, for a competition, right. and you know, right. and, and even training camp has gotten a little bit lighter now over the years because of the injury factor. But they do want to throw them guys out there for two for for some more for some more regular season games. And see, the thing is, the let's put this way: the injury factor has been there for years. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen guys like uh, Brady, Cunningham, right. and others right. get knocked out either during the preseason or the first regular the first, season yeah, game. Yeah, first game, and you know, it it. It it happened, you know. I I hate to sound like John Madden, but you know injuries are part of the, are part of the game in football. So yeah. it's it's um, unless you want to hermetically seal these guys in um, two games, <laughs> and also it's a double edged sword because say you're say you're um, a rookie mm-hmm. or or a free agent. Yeah, you have to. Compete. You need like three games to show yourself so you can get the opportunity to make the roster and everything else. So. Everything's done for a reason. I, you know, they're already playing seventeen games in eighteen weeks as it is. Yeah. yeah, and see, to me, and I know they won't do it. Get rid of these Thursday games because the Thursday games have just been. Do you God, think? Do you awful, think they're, they're awful? But but are the Thursday games a creation of the NFL or the networks? Both. It's both. Again, I go back to the Mike. Pre- you agree? You can jump in here anytime, yeah, Mike. It, it is both. I mean, like Anthony just said, it's both, and it's all about the greediness because, like we just mentioned, they're going to get their money the best way they see fit. Right. They want to make their money regardless. They'll do it at all costs. They don't care what risk they take. They want the green, and they'll do what they have to do to make it. Yeah, because the Thursday night games are, are not sometimes until we get to playoffs. Basically, they stinky games. So really uh uh undercover so to speak that's really what it's good for. It's good for the fantasy population. Oh, fantasy is a big, big industry. Right. Now. I mean, I'm sure you see the commercials now. DraftKings, uh, FanZone, or uh, what is that? Fan, FanDuel. FanDuel, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Fans, yeah. yeah. Fantasy has now become an intricate part of the sports culture because people actually spend their hard-earned money on these events. And listen, I play fantasy myself. I don't bet money on it, but I do it for fun. And let me tell you, Fantasy is like being a general manager for a professional team. Yeah. You have to eat, sleep, breathe this stuff every week. You have yeah. to watch the latest trends. You have to watch what goes on with the team. You have to watch certain players. You have to watch the trends. That's what they do here, and that also translates to them spending money because you win cash prizes if your players or those teams you have the players for. Yeah, I need to. I, I've been looking at that. I, yeah. You know, 
But, I looked at it from the beginning, and I'm like, "Dag, if I can get on this, I could hit me some real well, stuff." It's, 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 at the, now, at, you know, at the end of the day, a spot market, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going public on the stock on the trading market now. And at the end of the day, it's it's basically the NFL's version of Lotto, Pick Four, right. Lucky for Life, right. and everything. Because see, because see, the funny thing was. When fantasy football first came out, the NFL sort of laughed at it. But then, right. but then, you know, they right. saw the kind of money. And see, one side this way, about two, three years into fantasy football, the NFL came out with their own uh, fantasy league guide. Right. That's what I knew. It was like, oh, yep. Oh, and then, you know, you, you ain't virgins no more. They they they, they found out that it was a money maker. It was deal. a money maker. And see, now you know. You have to remember with with DraftKings, with FanDuel, they align themselves with certain teams. Okay. Now there's a right. there's a whole other uh, side, um, to, side it. to it too. Yeah. Involved, yeah. you know, because where where the where the DraftKings and FanDuel folks hurt themselves last year is during those commercials that they ran every five seconds. It seemed like yeah. they were guaranteeing. Um, mm-hmm payoffs of like 90 million right now right now now even the casinos don't guarantee you because you know the house is going to win all the time when you go out and guarantee you're going to get x amount of money even the folks that don't gamble are gonna be like uh, right. What is this? That's what I'm saying. I'm looking at it saying, hmm, sure, sure. might be something in that for and, me. And, and it seems like, and it works best with football because of the way, it, because of the way it's structured, because it's weekly. Absolutely. And I guess now I, 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 I did it years ago, but I got tired of those calls six in the morning. People asking <laughs> like, you know, do you want to trade your kicker? And I'm like, look, I'm trying to get, you know, I have, I'm trying to like have to a little sleep. bit of a life if you don't mind. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's a notification that they send you an email form or oh, on the app where it says you all, oh, well, you have to trade this for someone mm-hmm. such and such a trade, such and such. Will you accept this trade? Yeah, yeah. I have, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't cussed that much since the Mets lost the pennant, <laughs> and you know, and, and and it's like, I don't, you know, look, leave me alone. <laughs> exactly, and that, but that's just it, though. That's how popular it's become now. To where, listen, when I was working at ESPN Radio back in the day, I used to produce a show that was called the Fantasy Focus. It was a one-hour show every Sunday morning where, Anthony, you just touched on the fact that fantasy has become a big part of sports, and that was the truth. The fact that ESPN was doing a show on this mm-hmm. every Sunday for one hour, mm-hmm. that tells you the nature of the fact that fantasy has become big, mm-hmm. not just in the sense of making money, but media sense. Now you have shows, not just on the radio, but also on TV. Right. Listen, every Saturday or Sunday before the NFL games come on, you have people that come on there, fantasy experts that break down the top players, who you should start, who you should sit, uh, who you should watch out for, who you should trade for. This is the way it is now. Fantasy is just blown up to where now we've got analysts that have jobs who's doing that, being fantasy yeah. analysts, telling you who yeah. you should start or sit for your first week of uh, football action. Yeah, so, so, so like being the sideline uh, um, reporter. It's like, you know, you don't, tell, you, don't even, you don't even tell your folks what you do. <laughs> that's that's. You don't, have to know, you, you, know, you don't have to know anything about their background, just know what their stats are and then just right. it's numbers, there, yeah. what yeah. you should do. It's it's strictly. I mean, it's literally like playing numbers. Uh-huh. That, yeah, that's that's like you said, playing the lottery. That's exactly what it is. Because you know what, you can start somebody who's winning a lot of points for your league, and then you know I tap it. I have maybe like like uh, I think one of my top guys last year I had in my uh, league was Devonta Freeman from the Atlanta Falcons. That he was winning points every single week, and then he got injured, and then yeah, I had to sit him for a couple of weeks, and then of course. <laughs> 
that's when my stats went down a little bit. Then when he came back, then I had to put him back in the starting lineup, and then he won me some more points. So that's what fantasy's come to now. It's like being the general manager. He has to play the role of head coach and monitor what they do so you can stay floating with those on in your leagues. A plug from Mike Crazy. Lyles' football fantasy league. <laughs> you know, well, I have, this is my second year doing it on me. I, at first, I wasn't too fond of it, and I'm with the NFL.com fantasy league now. One of my guys from Howard, who was also the radio voice of the Howard football team, got me involved in this last year. He was already sending me tweets and updates about, get ready for draft day. It's on September 4th, and I'm saying, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, well, speaking of uh, the Olympics... Um, we had the USA overall had a pretty good showing and Rio was not without controversy and it wasn't because of Rio itself as we were led to believe, Mm -hmm. you know, body parts washing up on the beaches and, you know, Dirty, polluted water for athletes to swim in. Sure the pools talking, weren't clean. So sure you're not talking about Connecticut? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, wow. Um, That's hard. <laughs> Gabby, Gabby Douglas's hair again. I'm um, done with Gabby Douglas's hair. Let's not, you know what? Never mind. Well, mm-hmm. we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Ryan Lockie. Mm-hmm. So it, I think this was probably one of the most, how can you say, informational intensive Olympics that we had seen in quite some time. And I want to start off talking about the U.S. men's track team mm-hmm. and their loss, their disqualification, because I don't think people fully understood what that was about and the fact that if you looked at the tape it really didn't seem like he was too off and where he was supposed to hand off it it, it was it you know it's sort of like losing on a technicality you, you would yeah, expect they you did would expect, lose on a you would expect to see that in gymnastics right. or or in those sports where Take you have points judges away. but right. yeah, you don't expect to see that you know it's it's let's it, put it this way at the end of the day, I think when we look back on this Olympics, say, 10, 15 years from now, mm-hmm. I think we're going to remember it as, you know, the Olympics where um, sort of the changing of the guard in the sense of, you know, of uh, Gabby and the, and the two Simones yeah. and Michael Carter's daughter. And, yeah, and, uh, the because, shot putter. Yeah, Michelle. Well, see, the, the thing is, all of these, all of these kids are, are youngins. Right. So we could see them again four years from now, possibly eight years uh, from now. Um, if nothing else, the controversy with the track team, it's going to burn. It's going to burn into them. And I think uh, when, when is what's the next one? Uh, is, is it Russia or is it? Um, Are they going? It might be Russia. Is it Russia the next one? For the, we'll, we'll, for we'll the it, Summer Olympics. We'll put it this way. Four years from now, uh you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, hopefully the show will still be around and we'll all be around. I think it's Japan, actually. Oh, it's Japan? Okay, yeah. I, 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 for I, summer? I forget. I forget. For summer, I think it's Japan where they're going next now. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 2020. But either either yes, way, Japan. I think the U.S. I'm sorry, no, it's Tokyo. Oh, it's Tokyo? Oh, okay. okay. But, yeah, um, that is Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, either, you know, I, I, I think this will be good. You know, they got four years to get it right. And I think they're going to come out blazing. Uh, be, because of the controversy, and I think it will give them a chance 
to maybe you know see if there's other there's other talent out there because again if 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 this is what it took for them to quote unquote get beat all they're going to do is hopefully you would think they would have the resolve and just say okay you know don't you know keep this as a memory for four years down the road and we're going to try to smoke these folks you know Mm -hmm. four years down the road and let it be motivation oh yeah mike do you think this was one of the best olympics ever I mean, you know, you had Usain Bolt break records. You had a sister yeah. hit with the shot put. Um, you know, you had the U.S. women's track team who absolutely blew folks out of the water. I mean, when you look at this Olympics and, of course, the, the women swimming, I mean, we really showed a lot of moxie, if you will. Yeah, there was a lot of storylines, I think, that went into these summer games. I don't know if they were the best ever, but there were certainly a lot of storylines. You just mentioned Michael Phelps was his last year participating in the Olympics, and he went out with a bang. The domination from the basketball teams, U.S. women were uh, supposedly, you know, they were supposed to win like they did, almost like the way the UConn women's basketball team played this past season. They pretty much played the same way. And then the U.S. men's basketball team, even though they had some hiccups in the first couple of games, they, but they still won. And I think there was some speculation, even though LeBron and Steph and a whole bunch of NBA players that were not on that roster, could they compete? And they answered the call for that, too. So, yeah, this is a very storyline type of Olympics because you saw a lot of the headliners that went in there and did what they wanted, what they did, going out with a bang and then bringing home uh, 121 medals. I mean, that's just sheer domination from any country. I mean, and a lot of it was all gold. So you, you, you compare that list with the other countries that took part in the games, and no question the U.S. did what they were supposed to, and I think many figured that they were going to do anywhere with dominate because, mm-hmm. let's face it, we have a lot of world-class athletes that come from our country that can compete, and especially in the various sports that are played here in the U.S. that took part in the Olympics. Those are the sports that we're known to win anyway. I think some of this I watched, like, uh, what was that? Um, we're watching handball. Right. You know, some of those sports that you don't <laughs> see that it's not too common here in the U.S., other countries compete in those types of sports that they're known to win, like soccer, for example. The Brazilian team out there, they finally won it. They won, you know, that was their highlight. Was the yeah. They won the soccer. Yeah. Because after what happened a few years ago at the uh, World Cup, they needed redemption and they got it. So those were certain particular, particular sports that everybody thought that the U.S. was going to win and dominate in. That was expected. Yeah. Those sports that are not too common in America, well, we already knew that. Well, we don't play that sport here, and it's not as popular. So, of course, those other countries are going to have their say on it because that's what they do out there. So that's how I see it. Well, let me put this question to the both of you because Tony has sat on many a sideline and, and kind of observed and, you know, written from the Coliseum. And Mike, you've done University of Hartford basketball. How did you feel about the commentary? Because there were a lot of negative comments toward the women. There were a lot of negative comments toward athletes from other countries. And there was a lot of sexist commentary as well. I know with me, when I do a show, and, and you all know when you get ready to do any type of reporting, there is research done. Sometimes you research yourself to death. It's almost overload. Um, right. 
and you kind of check facts and you kind of ask other people about this information. You know, you go through several things. You go through sources. You, you go through the Internet. You talk to people. You read. But it just seems like the commentary was not intelligent. It was not thoughtful. It was not what you would have expected in a very huge sports situation, a world-class sports situation. And when you realize that you have more resources now right. to get information, that, that's, that's unforgivable. Um, you know, Bob Costas made the remark while he was interviewing Simone Biles, you know, no one really heard of you before this um, <laughs> Olympics. Like, Bob? Uh, just because you haven't heard of right. her doesn't mean everybody else has. I mean, I you know, I knew you know, if you just remembered the last Olympics, you remember Gabby Douglas, right? And also with Simone, Simone's a two-time world championship, a champion. And so and there's a move named after her that's on YouTube that's been taped. Well, it's but see, the sad thing is, and I was talking with this about a friend of mine. You know, I'm old enough to remember when ABC used to do the Olympics and. ABC to me, they covered the Olympics. They didn't, you know, they didn't get caught up in the whole jingoism and yeah. and and all all but rah rah rooting for the U.S. NBC to me over the years has just turned it almost into a you know you know USA ha ha USA ha ha mm-hmm. sort of deal. I think that's why they were protective, and I'm being nice when I say this about the whole Ryan Lochte. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, incident, but that, like you said, that fine line between journalism and stupidity got caught, got crossed here because literally because of their own arrogance and their own ignorance. And to me, there's no excuse for that, especially now when you've got the internet, when you've got all sorts of ways. I mean, we're in an information society, and a lot of times people don't use the information that's right that's readily available to them. Mike? I agree. Um, listen, we're living in a social media age now where technology has dominated how we communicate with people, how we process information, how we get information. So I'm with Anthony. There's no reason why you can't research anything you need to find out about a person or an athlete within a matter of minutes. I mean, this is what we strive to do in this line of work that we call journalism. We have to do our research. Mm-hmm. You can't go in a business like this and not know your stuff. And I mean, quite surprising that Bob Costa would say that too, considering that he's been in this business a long time and he's been, you know, a staple in the industry. And with his, you know, background and his knowledge and extensive work that he's done, kind of surprising that he would say something like that. And not just Bob. There was also a comment made by Al Trutwig. He also uh, got himself some hot water. Uh, I believe he made a comment too that was. Uh, you know, that was not too friendly, I believe. I'm not sure was it was about, I think it was about Simone. Yeah, it was about her adoptive about parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another one that uh, didn't sit too well with a lot of people, and uh, particularly some that I know that had been in that situation like she has, and everybody was making, making it seem like, you know, well, not making it seem, but everybody was saying, oh, out, what does it matter? Right. Well, you know, why is that relevant? I mean, you're talking about a world-class athlete who's about to win a gold medal here. Right. Why are we so concerned and hung up on the fact that she about her adopted parents? I mean, if anything, that should be looked at as a great thing that she's it should be admirable. and overcame them 
to become an Olympian, and now she's on the verge of winning the gold medal for the country that she's representing. So, you know, I I don't know. I just think that you're seeing a change now, guys, in the way that we look at sports. Back in the day, it was a good old boy type of mentality. Mm -hmm. where It was pretty much dominated by the men. You didn't have as many females involved as you see now. Now, I'm not talking about these commentators. I'm talking about the fact that, you know, women's sports wasn't a big staple back in the day. Mm -hmm. Today, you're seeing a trend of that. You see it in basketball. You see it now. You see it in uh, fishing. You got female referees now for the NFL, for the NBA. You're seeing all kinds of cycles being broken that you would never have thought was going to happen back in the day. Mm -hmm. We're moving to a new generation of how people look at sports. And from a woman's perspective, they're taking over. And they're going to do so because it's not because they think, well, oh, she's a supermodel. She's got the looks. Oh, she's got a, a pretty face, so she should be on TV. Well, maybe that has something to do with it in a way. But if they have knowledge of that particular sport and that athlete or that player, then they're going to be the ones that get their jobs. And listen, I am a strong supporter of uh, having the females involved in the industry. I'm not one of those sexist guys that say, oh, I don't know. TV or what do they know? <laughs> no, I think that they all should be given an equal fair share of the pie that us men have been given over the years. If they know a lot about a certain player, give them the platform and let them do what they have to do and make their living as well. And if they know more about a particular sport than, than your average guy would know, give them a chance to show what they can do. And I think you're seeing that trend now because more women are getting into the industry than you have ever imagined. And they're not just because of the looks, they're doing it because they know their stuff. It's one thing to have the looks, but can you also back up your information with, you know, the knowledge. Look at Pam Olive. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's been doing this for a long time. She's yeah. one of the brightest, yeah. most studious women in the industry, and she knows her stuff. She's been around the NFL. She's been around the block. She knows it. And now, this is why... She's not going to with a woman. She knows what she can do, and she does her job very well. And so was a great... that more and more these days. And she was a great athlete at FAMU as well. Right. So, so she knows. And mm -hmm. that's her thing. She has a, she's an athlete that knows the sport and can adapt to what it's like to be in the athlete. Not just the reporter. She's an athlete slash reporter and knows what it's like to be in those situations. So I think you're seeing that trend now in this day and age, more women break into the field. And you know what? Kudos. I mean, not to compare politics here, but look what's going on right now in the current presidential race. Mm -hmm. You have a woman candidate running for the highest position in the world. Yeah. It could very well be the one that holds that position by the time we get to the end of November. So who knows? I mean, that's what I mean. You're seeing this trend that's being bucked now. More women are getting involved in all areas of the industry, in media, in sports, you name it. In and fact, this is why... Study here, the ratio for colleges. I mean, HBCUs, for example. The ratio for women versus men, I think that's across the board. You're seeing a lot more women on these campuses now than you see men. So and, there you go. And you also saw a lot of HBCU women in the Competing Olympics in the Olympics, well, too. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, a, it was a lot. I think they would say it was like over 50% yep. of the athletes from America were all female. Yep. So there you go. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You've seen a lot more women getting involved in all facets of any type of industry sports, business, whatever you name it. I mean, they're just more driven and they're determined. And listen, kudos. I think we should applaud them because they're making changes and they're bringing about changes that. Some people still have not caught on yet, but eventually they will. And this is why Michelle Turner can do sports on the show. I, I like the way you clapped your hands <laughs> while you were doing it, too. You know? I like that segue, Michelle. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the show on 103.5 FMLP, 
WNHH in New Haven. Guys, we've got about five minutes, so we got to knock some stuff out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of women's sports, the WNBA. Now that we've returned from the Olympics, the season's getting ready to start. Who looks good? Who looks shaky? Any big trades in the making? I guess right now it's going. You know, they they changed their format now, so that okay. it's not East West anymore. It's the top eight, uh, the top eight records, and you know, L.A. and Minnesota basically have had you know, got off to like historic starts. So right now, it looks like if everything holds to as holds is, true. Yeah. they could be playing each other for the championship. Although the Sun beat uh, Minnesota yeah. the other night, the other night, and then. I think was it Phoenix? Somebody came back and beat uh, L.A. So, if nothing else, the new format's making it so that teams are actually, you know, that that eighth seed may yeah, actually, some, you know, there's some competition. Some, mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. real competition, and they've had, you know, they've had their controversies this season as well. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, throughout the season. Mm-hmm. You know, between the protests that they've had. Uh, and their new commissioner, and then the change in how they've set up the schedule, as you said, Tony, it'll make a big difference in, I believe, interest. I, I, I might be the only person that actually watches the league at times at sports, mm-hmm. but 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 the back, the hoop is good. Like you know, my biggest problem is that unfortunately, you know, they play at that quote unquote non basketball time, and yeah. I think that's what hurts them because right now they've got the NFL starting college football starting, mm-hmm. baseball independent races, and, you know, you're just coming off the Olympics, you know, they get, they, you know, they get, they get lost in translation, literally and figuratively. Mike, any thoughts on the WNBA? You got to make them quick. Yeah, I'm a Liberty fan. Given all of the Connecticut, <laughs> but I'm a Liberty fan, and I know they're, in the, they're the top team right now in the Eastern Conference, and, you know, I think they are due for a championship now. I mean, they've been going at this for a long time. They're one of the original first yes. the league. So I yes. would think that this would be a year that can break through, even though the Western Conference, like Anthony said, is loaded. Minnesota, LA are the top two teams out there as well. So it's not going to be easy, but if it came down to it, I like the Liberty's chances of winning the East, and then they're going to have to have their hands full out there in the West, Minnesota or LA. Uh, if you want me to pick one from the Western Conference, I'm going to go with LA because I like Candace Parker. Mm. Mm. I'm a big Candace Parker fan. I also like LA for that reason. And I think that even though looking at the current standings, that LA is just a half game behind Minnesota for the top spot. Uh, I'm going to go with LA to win the West. And I would love to see that cross country matchup between New York and LA. I would think that helps the rating because yeah. you're looking at two major markets yeah. for one, New York and LA. Yeah. And there are basketball fans in both cities. So I'm sure they will be glued to the TVs watching those. Watching it. Particularly see how yeah, the Liberty out. fans and the LA fans. Yeah. A Rod, where, where is he? <laughs> I thought I saw I'm him. Ra- I, 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 thought I, I, I thought I saw him. I thought I saw him around here. Okay. Should A Rod have played the full season? That's the question. It wasn't his decision. It was really the Yankees. Oh, they wanted him out of there. They, 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 and they were willing to. To really pay him all that money and let him way, walk away. It was it was it was like the thing that you hear at the places. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get the you know what out of here. And I think that's what the deal was <laughs> with him. Mike, do you agree? What's your feeling on absolutely, that? Absolutely, I absolutely agree with Anthony because that's just what the Yankees wanted all along. Listen, A. Rod makes more money than some of the teams in Major League Baseball itself. <laughs> okay, if you look at Put his salary, together, huh? 
they compared it to some of the major league teams that are in the smaller markets like a Pittsburgh or uh, a Cincinnati, and a rod salary probably doubles what mm-hmm. those teams and those franchises make alone. So definitely the Yankees wanted them out. He's not making it. He's not playing as well. It was obviously time for a change. I mean, it's it, 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 the gamble has paid off for the Yankees because now all of a sudden they just did a whole uh, clean sweep of their of their roster. They got a whole bunch of younger players, and all of a sudden the Yankees that looked like for a minute they were not in contention for a playoff spot, they look now, but yeah, they do have a legitimate chance now yeah, of winning the second wild card bird. They do. So perhaps they know what they were doing, and that's why they made the move with A Rod. He's still going to get his money though. Let's face it. No team's going to pick up his salary. He makes way too much money for a lot of these teams that's going to want to take up that salary that he's making. So that's why the Yankees kept him on board. Not as a player, but as an advisor, whatever the role he's playing now. And then once he gets his pay, he'll probably want to go somewhere else because he's only four homers away from 700. He wants to get those four homers somewhere. They won't be yeah. with the Yankees. They'll be with somewhere where he won't have to worry, a team won't have to worry about picking up the salary he's getting right now in New York. And they'll pay him a little bit less just to get those four homers, and then you can go right off into the sunset. All right, folks, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Lucy's giving me the sign, so we got to leave that on the table. Mike Lyle, thank you so much for being with us this morning. You added a different element. I'm finally, I'm glad that you could finally make it to the show. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Longtime sports reporter and writer and... Uh, Cullen commentator Mike Lyle, who's worked all over the state of Connecticut and was my colleague at Quinnipiac University at one point. Uh, as always, as usual, my partner in crime in the studio, the very knowledgeable Tony McLean. I always appreciate him being here and I thank him for taking out time in his schedule for being on the show this morning. Okay. And you have been listening to the show. Right here on 103.5 FMLP. Want to say good morning to L. Boogie Brown in D.C. And my friend Sheila, all the way down in South Carolina. Good morning to you. This has been the show. See you next week.